Welcome everyone to episode three of You're the Best podcast. My name is Gina and I'm the host of You're the Best. I hope everyone has been having a very productive week so far. Um, I hope that everyone's been getting everything accomplished that you've wanted to get accomplished. I know I feel best when I cross things off my life list all the time. So I hope everything's been working out for you. Uh, we have a great guest and a great episode today. Our special guest is someone that I've known for a couple of years now. He's definitely one of the most motivated and optimistic people that I've had the pleasure of working with. So welcome, Rick. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. That's nice to hear. No problem. Uh, it's been a while since we've seen each other, so I hope everything's been going great for you and the family. Uh, family's going well. Life is moving on. I, and really, I think with even with COVID and everything, you know, I, what I told everybody at the beginning of the pandemic was this was really an opportunity for us to um, remember what we're grateful for, right? Because absolutely, as, you know, I was thinking about this because you know, two weeks to flatten a curve was a year ago now, and and. You know, I, I think about that and I remember, you know, walking around on the, on the on our road right here just with the kids because school got shut down and everything and, you know, just kind of saying, you know, this is a good opportunity for everybody to remember that going to the movie theater isn't important, right? What's important is spending time with your friends or, or family really at that point, right? Spend time with the people that are close to you and just being grateful that you're healthy and alive and, and all as well. So absolutely. Been, how about you? Been good? Can't complain. You know, I was I was really excited in the beginning because I got to spend more time with my family, my my husband and my daughter, because, I, you know, you're just dragging yourself and your kids or in your family around all over the place all the time. So it was just nice to not <laughs> to just not do anything. So I'm right there with you. I, I'm so thankful that I was able to still connect with certain family and friends. So it's been a great time. And actually, I do want to start off every episode with a gratitude section, but I feel like you pretty much answered that already. So <laughs> that'll be your gratitude piece for today. <laughs> That's fine with me. Absolutely. <laughs> um, my gratitude piece for today is my glass of wine that I get to have every night because <laughs> my daughter is starting her terrible twos. So I'm just thankful that I have a moment to decompress at the end of every day. <laughs> are you, you white, white wine, red wine, what do you drink? You know, I used to be only red, but okay. lately I switched to white and I just, I haven't changed. I, any, I don't know why, so. Any particular one, one variation over the other? Um, I'm a Vina Grigio. I'm a okay. Vina Grigio girl or a, a nice Cabernet Sauvignon. The, okay. Those are my two. How about you? So um, I... I've always found that uh, white wine was kind of sweet for my flavor or my palate. Um, so I've always been more of a red wine drinker, but then again, I eat a lot of meat. So it just kind of made sense to go with that anyway. But That's true. Um, so when I kind of started off, uh, I started off with Cabernet and you know, that's a bold flavor. It's got a lot of oomph to it or whatever, and, but I really mm -hmm. enjoyed it. And then when my wife and I got together, she really wasn't a wine drinker. And when she was, she would drink Pinot Grigio, right? Mm -hmm. And, or even maybe a Riesling, because, you know, I don't know if you've ever had That's Riesling. That's super sweet. <laughs> right. It's, it's super sweet. It's like drinking dessert, right? Yeah. And, um, so, and that wasn't really my cup of tea at all. So I would, you know, I, I slowly kind of worked her into the cab, but the cabs were a little too much. So what we tried was Pinot Noir. And I'll tell you, well, since then, that's really been our go-to when we get a bottle of wine, it's Pinot Noir. I used to be a heavy Pinot drinker, but <laughs> I think I just drank too much at some point and I, I just stuck with cabs after that. <laughs> you know, but, everybody has that moment, right? Everybody says that happens with tequila, so. Yeah. <laughs> could, it could pretty much happen with anything at this point, so. <laughs> so... Yeah, just uh, for all of our listeners that don't know you, um, I don't know if you want to share a little bit about you and your personal life or, you know, things yeah, you've experienced. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, really, I'm one of these guys, I, I always kind of thought that you didn't need to go to college to be successful, because I think that, you know, um, a formal education will, will do well for you, but self-education and you're essentially unstoppable, right? So I got out of high school and I started working in hotels and I worked in the hospitality industry for almost 14 years. I went from working at the front desk to an assistant manager, to a general manager, to a district manager, then to a regional manager, had like 21 hotels. Then I found my wife, she got pregnant and <laughs> she had the baby. And I was traveling all the time. I was never home. I didn't see her. I didn't see my newborn daughter. 
And that lasted maybe eight months before I left. I just got out of the industry altogether. And I was looking to do something on my own. So, you know, we've tried started a few different businesses over the years. And we've had some months and some times that were more successful than others. And I ended up working in a car dealership where, where you, obviously you and I met. Mm-hmm. I hated that business. I absolutely hated that business. It was not, it was not for me. Um, yeah. I understand how some people can like it, but. It wasn't it, for me either. So we're both out of there. <laughs> it was more hours than I was working at the hotel. It was anyway, so that didn't last very long. And so what happened to me was actually, I'll give you the, maybe the shorter version of the long story. We found, so I'm in financial services now. We got into it about four years ago. And the way we came across this was actually one of my wife's uh, sorority sisters had reached out to her. She just got started working with a company and just said she needed some help. And she wanted to sit down with us for a training appointment so that she can mm-hmm. kind of learn and, you know, maybe get, um, get through some of the uncomfortable part with somebody she was comfortable with. Right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. everybody, every time you start a new job, that first couple of weeks or first few, whatever it is that you're it's doing, it's always awkward, right? Yeah. It's, it's awkward. So sure. we met with her and she's talking about life insurance and investments and theories of decreasing responsibility and all this stuff, but all, all concepts that I kind of understood, like I, I know that they're important for people, but I never really sat down and took the time to educate myself on them. Yeah. So I'm listening to her and everything she says, I'm like, man, we, we need that. Everybody I know needs that. Well, anyway, so what <laughs> happened was my wife was like, you know, this was, I, so I was still working at, um, uh, yeah, at this point, I was still working at the dealership, and my wife went out first, and she got licensed, and I'll tell you, she fell in love with it, and it didn't take her very long before she convinced me that it would be a good option for me as well. Cool. And, um, <laughs> so I, I went out and got licensed behind her, and I'll tell you, it's been it's been a heck of a run. Um, we essentially now, we've got a brokerage. Um, we've got 12, uh, excuse me, 13 agents that work with us. Um, wow. We're personally licensed in 11 states. Our team is licensed in 23 states across the country. So um, this is definitely something it's, it's been a phenomenal move for us. I love this industry. I love this business because everybody needs help. And yeah. the thing for most people is most people are uncomfortable to ask for it, don't know where to ask for it, or don't trust the person that's even giving them the advice because they feel as though they're just in it for them as opposed to as the client or the potential client as being the one that was looked out for. So yeah. I love it because I, I think it's a... Um, Again, I think it's something that everybody needs and it's a great way to help people because listen, everybody's going to die one, whether we like it or not, whether we want to admit it, we just don't know when. And at the end of the day, we all want to retire. Absolutely. Some of us are going to be able to, some of us are going to be able to do it comfortably. Some of us are going to struggle, right? Definitely. The, the way you fix that, the way that you prevent you from being a statistic in one of those categories is by learning a little bit, starting early starting small, if that's what needs to be, and just being consistent with it, right? So um, again, I like it because I feel like I'm giving hope. I feel like every time I meet with somebody, we're breathing hope into their life because, you know, for example, I met with a girl the other day. She's um, young. She's 19 years old. She, so check this out. 19-year-old girl. Okay, I'll, I'll back it up a little bit further. <laughs> it's our mailman. Okay? It's our mailman. So I've had tons of conversations with him just over the years and everything, and he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. but. His daughter just turned 19, got a job, and she said to her father, you know, dad, listen, I think it's time that I start planning for my future. Now, what 19-year-old do you know <laughs> says to their parents, it's time for me to start planning my future? I right? mean, I mean, honestly, I was going to say, like, nobody in my school, my family, I mean, I don't want to badmouth them because they were just doing what they could, but, like, nobody educates us on personal finance, taxes, the, you know, what happens when you take out a student loan, how it really impacts your credit, your life, like nobody teaches this in school. And it's such a shame because like, that's, that's the class that most people would benefit out of the most. You know, if you're not going to take math everywhere, geometry, you know, trig, you're not taking all that everywhere, but personal finance, that's for the rest of your life. So it's definitely a very important topic to get to know. And I hate to say it like this, but the reality of it is, is the reason why they don't teach you is because the banks do better when people are uneducated. Absolutely. And that's the, that's the scary truth of it is that mm-hmm. either the producers or the banks or the companies actually do better when people are uneducated, because then what happens is they can be guided into the vehicle that does serve the client well. However, it also serves the company well. Absolutely. Right. So I, you know, I think that's probably, and you hit the nail on the head. I think that's probably the biggest um, problem in my opinion with the education system is that we're not really teaching 
our young kids skills that they need later in life or skills that will be valuable to them later in life. Absolutely. Personal finance is definitely one of them. Definitely. I mean, I got out of high school and I was like, oh, look at all these credit cards I could take out. That sounds good. You want to give me a private student loan with a variable interest rate? Sure. Give it to me. Like, oh, oh, that's really cool. So I've spent the last like, you know, 14, 13 years trying to like (laughs) regain my identity back and my financial life. And I've done it. You know, I'm still paying some debts off, but I'm in a much better place than I am now. But I will never let my daughter make those decisions that I made. That's for sure. As long as I can help it, you know, but. Well, statistically speaking, okay, over half of all Americans. Now, pardon me, this is might be slightly outdated because this was pre-COVID. I haven't heard of any real updated, like solid, you know, data from like where we are today. But before COVID, over half of all Americans didn't have $1,000 in their savings account. Eight out of 10 people live paycheck to paycheck. Now, what does that mean? Paycheck to paycheck. Oh yeah, I'm scraping by. No, paycheck to paycheck really means, because there's a lot of people that are, that feel like they're comfortable, but are actually living paycheck to paycheck. You know, Mm -hmm. the people that can't make it to the next paycheck, they know where they're at, right? But it's, it's the people that are, you know, they get to their next paycheck and they've still got a little bit of money left in their bank account. They're like, okay, I'm doing good. I'm not living paycheck to paycheck anymore. The definition of paycheck to paycheck is actually, if you miss your next two paychecks, can you still pay your bills? Mm. Most people don't know that. (laughs) Eight eight out of 10 people, eight out of 10 people were living paycheck to paycheck at that point, right? And this is, this was before COVID and before, you know, the entire service industry kind of fell out. Um, I mean, so many different industries and people were affected by this that, you know, the statistics aren't going to be any better today than they were then. That's for sure. Sure, they're much worse. (laughs) Sure, they're much worse, which is sad, but I mean, what are we going to do at this point? (laughs) We're already so far in, so it's nice to just be able to educate people on how to get out of it or how to plan better for the future the second time around after COVID. <laughs> well, so, so get this, I was telling you about, you know, my mailman's daughter. Yeah. So we get together the other day and we're talking, have a little conversation and, you know, she's got a great career path lined up for her. She actually got into a trade, which I think is awesome. Um, you know, so she's kind of doing her thing at 19 years old, right? Good for her. Check this out. We put together a plan for her. Now, not to give a whole lot of details, but you know, it's under 150 bucks a month that she's paying for her. She's, she's paying herself for her future under 150 bucks a month. She's going to have over $1.4 million at the age of 67. If she continues, if she continues to 72, she'll have over $2.3 million Jeez. for less than $150 a month. Now this was what, what I thought was really interesting because before we got off the call, I was talking to the father and I said, listen, let's have some fun here. Let's figure out just as a comparison, how much you would need to contribute to get the same numbers that your daughter's doing for really not a lot of money. Right. Yeah. It was $4,000 a month. So I, I tell you when I tell all your viewers or listeners that because the sooner you start, the less it's going to be impacting your day to day bills. Right. The later you start in life and you almost have to take out a second job just to fund your retirement. Right. Right. Four, four grand a month. That's $48,000 a year. Right. That's, that's for, there's a lot of people out there that hope to make $48,000 a year at some point in their life, let alone having to come up with that just so that you've got a retirement account that looks comfortable. Right. So, um, and, and let me also preface this. There's lots of people that retire with less than a million bucks or less than two million bucks, right? And, and, and a lot, lot lower numbers than that, right? So I don't want anybody listening to this to think like, oh my God, I need to have a million dollars to be able to retire, right? Listen, if you live in New York City, maybe you do, right? There are certain places <laughs> in the country where maybe you do need that kind of money. But the reality yeah. is everybody's numbers are different. Everybody's, I have learned in this industry now that you and I and the next person and the next person, everybody has different goals, dreams, bills, needs, wants, right? So at the end of the day, everybody's plan is different. So often we talk to people that they're like, you know, friends or whatever, and they'll say, hey, listen, just give me some numbers real quick, or just kind of, what would it look like for me? And I'm like, it's really is not that easy, right? And a lot of people are afraid of having these conversations, so they don't go into the bank, right? They don't walk into their local bank where they've got their check and their savings account or whatever and say, hey, listen, somebody put together a plan for me because they don't know if it costs money. And if it does, they don't want to look like they're being a cheap and don't want to pay for it, right? Just yeah. turn and walking away. So instead of doing that, they just don't. And it's really 
Have you ever heard of uh, Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman? No. So both of them have written probably a dozen books each on personal finance. They've been in the industry now for, I don't know, 35, 40 years, just something like that. And um, they have done a really good job at bringing awareness to people, right? So they've got, you know, they've got shows that they do, or at least used to do like television shows that I remember, I remember growing up, my mom watching the Susie Orman show. Oh, wow. And to, but I'll tell you, at that point in time in, in our lives, she wasn't that comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. And this really wasn't that long ago. And she's been retired now for probably about nine years, right? So because she took some effort to learn about this, she was able to put together a plan that actually, you know, got her to the point where she's able to retire. Now, listen, she's not living on boats and traveling all over the world, yeah. and everything like that. but at the same time, she's not looking for a second job. You know, right. she's not one of these retirees that in their seventies are going to work at Home Depot because they need a little extra income, right? right? Put together a plan and that really changes things. Yeah. I mean, most people, they could just hope to not have to get that second job when they retire. And I mean, like, you know, I personally don't think I'll need a million dollars. Would it be great? Of course it would be great. Would I like to have, would I also like to have money to leave to my daughter or my nephew or something like that? Of course, I would love to have the extra money, but I think everybody at this point would just like to enjoy the second half of their life, you know, afterwards. If I could, if I could coach everybody, there's two evils in life. Okay. And a lot of people really overlook them. You can either die too soon or you can live too long. And when I tell people that so often, like, what is that live too long? Well, first of all, die too soon, okay? Earlier in life, when we're, our careers are just getting started, we don't have a lot of money saved up because we just started making money, right? But what happens as we go through life? We save, we invest, maybe we buy some real estate so that by the time we make it to retirement, we've got a pile of cash, regardless of what the number is, that we get to live off of, right? That's our nest egg. That's our retirement, right? But our financial responsibility is the exact opposite of that. Because earlier in life, I've got two young kids. You know, most people our age in their late 20s, early 30s have just started a family, right? So mm -hmm. we've got young family, maybe we bought a house, so we've got a mortgage, right? Maybe we've got some student loan debt that we've been dragging since the 20s, right? Yeah. So, you know, we start off life, we don't have a lot of money, but we've got a lot of financial burden, okay? But as we go through life, we pay all that stuff down, whether it's minimum payment or you're paying it off quicker, you're still paying that stuff down so that by the time you make it to retirement, you know, by the time you're 65, 70 years old and you're ready to kind of pack it up and say, okay, I'm done with everything, you know, the kids are going to be grown up, right? Hopefully the mortgage is paid off, right? Mm -hmm. If there is any student loan at that point, hopefully it's gone, right? <laughs> Ours paid off, all that kind of stuff. So when I say you can either die too soon or you can live too long, dying too soon means when we don't have that money saved up, but we've got all that financial burden, the most important expense that anybody could ever add to their bill is life insurance. Because we don't know when we're going to pass. We just don't know when we're going to pass, right? It could have happened yesterday. It could happen 60 years from now, or it could happen six days from now. We just, it's just something that we don't know, right? So you don't want to die too soon because you don't have the money, but you've got people that are counting on you, right? And you also don't want to live too long, right? And that's usually the one that gets people like, well, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> imagine, imagine retiring at 65, 70 years old, right? Average age, I think, is, is uh, uh, 67 is retirement, right? Um, average age life expectancy is 78, right? That's so the average human now is living like 78 years old. Right? So you got, you know, 10 years plus or minus of, of comfortable retirement. But nobody wants to think they're going to pass earlier because, oh, everybody in my family is always gone and they're blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And imagine being 80 years old and running out of money. That would be very sad. Now, well, now what do you do? You got to... You hope you have kids that are financially comfortable that they can take care of you, yep. but chances are you're going to need some help at that age. I remember my grandparents, when they got into their 80s, probably mid-80s, they started bouncing around from nursing home to facility to home to back and forth. I mean, all this stuff. And those it are was, expensive. Oh my God. This was a while ago now. And I think it was costing seven or $8,000 each. Yeah. A month. Each, a month. <laughs> Okay. So whatever nest egg that was there gets wiped away really fast. Right. So I say that because earlier in life, life insurance is important, but later in life. Okay. Now, again, you're 65, 70 years old, you're ready to retire, but you've also been saving and accumulating. So you've got your nest egg set up. You are essentially what's called self-insured because if something were to happen to you, 
the mortgage is paid off, the kids are grown up, you don't have any student loan debt, you don't have any credit cards, right? You're, you're good, but you've also got this pile sitting to the side. Just so if something case. happens to you, your family's, your family's going to be okay. Don't spend money later in life on a life insurance payment. Take whatever that money was and put it into a retirement account. You need income at that point. Right. Right. So this is the, this is the, really, we call it the theory of decreasing responsibility, but this is like that cross that happens in people's lives where you don't have money, but it builds. You've got a lot of financial responsibility, but it drops off. Mm-hmm. Right. So once you don't have that financial responsibility anymore, get rid of your life insurance policy. I mean, listen, if you can afford it, keep it by all means, but yeah. at that point, you don't need it. Right. Oh, sorry. (laughs) So I was going to ask, I was going to ask, so, so what you, um, I guess your company, do they offer life insurance and do they offer retirement accounts? Is it the money that you pay into your life insurance? Is that like a savings account or is that just a policy, like an insurance policy? Yes and yes. So, okay. so what, is that, what is that really? <laughs> As a company, what do we do? We do everything. We do life insurance. We do auto, home. I mean, really, we're a full-scale insurance company. But at the same time, from an investment side, we can do everything from 529s to Roth IRAs, you know, college savings funds, all that kind of stuff, right? Okay. Um, the monthly payment for your insurance policy, it depends. So there's two different types of insurance that anybody can ever buy, okay? You either buy insurance or you buy insurance and a savings account that gets wrapped together every month so that you make one payment every month, some of that money goes towards insurance and some of that money goes towards savings. Those are called cash value life insurance policies. Okay. Um, if you've ever heard of a whole life policy or an IUL or really nowadays, right? Um, universe, I mean, there's lots of that, but essentially all of them are the same, okay? It's a life insurance policy and a savings account that you make one payment and it just kind of gets split up, okay? I've always wondered what that was because it, you know, it's, you just, you read so much and you read so much and you're like, okay, so is it a savings account? Is it an insurance policy? Like, it's never clear. (laughs) You know, again, this is, you know, we were kind of talking about this before. That's one of those things that it's better for the insurance companies for people to not understand it. Yeah, absolutely. If people understood it, they wouldn't purchase certain policies, right? They would, right. They would make different decisions. So for example, um, a, one of those cash value policies, right? They're, sure, that, listen, there's some situations where they work for everybody. And I'm not, I'm not, um, not going to sit here and dog one versus the other, one company versus the other, or anything like that. Everybody's situation is different. However, you said you don't know if it's savings, if it's yours, or what's going on with it, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't understand, and even after they purchase them, they don't understand. This, is, this absolutely blew my mind being in this business. So many people have policies, but I've never read them. They don't know anything about them. They just listen to what the agent told them, and they said, oh, this is what I've got. And then I pick up the policy, and I'm like, well, look take a look at this. You see what that says there? They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, this is your contract. This is what you <laughs> up for. That's what it is. And they're like, that's not what he said. I'm like, I don't care what he or she said. This is what it is. And then they go, oh whoa, hold on a second here. Right. So what a shame. Well, and it really is because a lot of times it ends up screwing people over because they thought money. So for example, let's say you've got a whole life policy and you've got uh, $50,000 that's built up into that policy. Okay. So your savings is, is $50,000. Okay. Okay. So, you know, some years go by and you've accumulated this money and you and your husband say, okay, you know, I want to take this money out and I want to use it for college for my daughter. I want to pay for the tuition for the first year of college for my yeah. daughter. <laughs> Cause that's pretty much how much it costs now. <laughs> I, I, I can't, my, my son is two, almost three, actually his, his birthday is July 4th. So he'll be three July 4th. So oh, nice. Fireworks show every year and we get a party. <laughs> I, my my daughter was actually due on the third. I was hoping for the fourth. Turns out she's the ninth. So, <laughs> well, um, my son was supposed to be the fifth. It was a C-section, but my wife's water broke, and it was the fourth. Oh. And my, my first daughter, my first daughter was also a C-section, and um, you know, very planned. And yeah. we go in, and I knew exactly what it was because we picked up, we went into the hospital. My wife had a surgery, and out comes a baby. Right. right. My son, it was nowhere near that because my wife's water broke. 
I'm not planning for that. Nobody talks about it. Nobody said anything about water breaking. What do you do? She wakes me up at two o'clock in the morning. She's like, my water broke. I'm like, what do we do now? Really, what do we do? So we went into the hospital and had a baby, but and that happened to be on July 4th. So um, that's cool that they're close like that. I know, yeah. Let's say you take that 50 grand and you borrow it to pay for your daughter's, you know, college tuition, right? And down the road. Let me think of the, the nicest way to say this. So let's say down the road, something were to happen to both you and your husband at the same time, right? So now there's no money going to one person or another. It's just going to your kids, right. okay? And let's say that the life insurance policy was a $100,000 life insurance policy, right? It accumulated $50,000 in savings, but it's a $100,000 policy. You borrowed that money. So the company says, I need that money back because you borrowed it. It's written right into your contract. I got one right here, right across the top. Policy loan interest rate, 8.00% uh, annual rate, payable in arrears, which means that if you borrow that $50,000, you don't have to make a monthly payment on it. Payable in arrears means that when the death benefit happens, the company will collect that $50,000 plus the 8% annual interest that's been compounding on that for as long as you have borrowed that money. Okay. So let's say you borrowed that money 20 years ago. Wow. 8% on $50,000 over 20 years is not a little bit of money. No, definitely not. <laughs> let's just pick numbers here just for easy math. Let's say it total comes to 75 grand. Okay. And that's not the correct number for everybody listening, but yeah. just for easy math here. Okay. So the loan balance is now $75,000. So whatever your insurance company goes, okay, first we need that money back. And then they pay out whatever's left from your life insurance. So you're only getting 25000 Okay. But the whole time, I promise you, 99.9% .9 of all people that have those policies don't know that. They don't realize that. They think that their kids are going to get the hundred grand. What do you mean? I borrowed the 50. That's fine. That was my money. I've been paying into it every single month. I've been paying it every single month. Anybody that's listening to this call right now, if you have one of those policies, open up your policy. Okay. Take a look at it and look at year one or year two in your cash accumulation. Look at your guaranteed cash value in year one or year two. I promise you, if you're listening to this call, it's at zero. I don't care who it is. I don't care what policy it is. It's at zero. So imagine you walk into the bank. Could you fathom this? You walk into Chase or Bank of America or Wells Fargo or wherever you use to, to, to your regular bank, okay? And you say to them, hey guys, I wanna open a savings account. I'd like to put, let's call it hundred bucks a month. I'd like to put hundred bucks a month into this savings account. Two years go by and you say, okay guys, you know what? I'm leaving the area. I, I'm gonna move banks or whatever the case is. I'd like to empty my savings account. And they look at you and they're like, what money? Oh my God. I but would kill someone. <laughs> you signed up for it. Right, right. So this is what I'm saying. That's, people that's don't horrible. realize this. They don't realize this. So this happens to people all the time where oh they go, God. okay, two years in, oh, I'm going to change something or whatever. And they have nothing there. That's horrible. If it's your money, because the agent told you, oh, this is your savings account. This is money for your future. If it's, it's my money, there. it's not there. And then even after year two, it accumulates at a really slow rate, right? So I, I caution everybody when it comes to these cash value policies, because a lot of times the cash return, the savings return, your, your money is a very, very slow growth on that money, okay? And the insurance side is usually a little bit overpriced. Okay. So for most people, and, I, and not everybody's the same, but for most people, like let's say, you know, you had a caller that called in right now and said, hey, listen, Rick, give me, give me the best advice I can. I don't have a lot of money. I'm a, a single mom. I know I need life insurance because I've got a kid, but I, I really don't have a lot of money. Then my advice to that person would be get your insurance as low as you possibly can. Get it for as cheap as you possibly can. Okay. And the cheapest way to buy life insurance, because life insurance is sold in thousand dollar blocks. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the cheapest way to buy life insurance is a term life insurance policy. Right. Okay. I feel like that's what most people are familiar with out of all of them. That's what I, um, that's what I feel. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you feel that way because that means that people in your circle have taught you that. That I mean, whether it's your mom or your grandparents or, or your father or, or, or whoever, nope. right? <laughs> 
good. Then Self-research. <laughs> that's, that is what it is, right? So yeah. term insurance will be the lowest cost per thousand dollars for that, for example, single mother that needs to get an insurance policy because she's got a kid, but she's only got 30 or 40 bucks a month. You can do a term policy for really cheap, right? Right. And then take whatever additional funds that you've got available and then set up a retirement plan for yourself. Okay. So the advice that I would give is to keep your insurance and your savings separated, right? Because yeah. you, you really will. You'll get a better return on the insurance and you'll get a better return on the savings component. Right, right. now, if you've got a licensed agent listening to this call right now, I, I'll tell you one thing. They're not happy with anything I'm telling you right now. No. Why? <laughs> not because I'm giving you incorrect information, not because I'm giving you bad information because it's all, it's solid, it's real. It's, it's because we, and I, I'll include myself in this, we get paid more to put somebody into a cash value policy like a whole life or an indexed universal or something like that then we would to get them a term policy and then just invest the difference. Because a lot of people don't realize the way we get paid in this industry is on your monthly payment. Okay. Now that doesn't mean that you're paying us. The company pays us. Okay. Right. So every dollar that you spend isn't going to the agent. Okay. The company's paying the agent for putting that policy together. Mm -hmm. But the way we get paid is a percentage of your annualized monthly payment. So you've got a hundred dollar a month payment, for example, mm -hmm. multiply that by 12, 1200 bucks. So we get paid a percentage of that 1200 bucks. Every company's a little bit different. Some are really high, some are really low, but it's often hundred dollar a month. Wow. Now, what if it's a $300 a month payment? Then you're getting more. Or if you have so somebody that, you know, has more to put away, then, then you're really banking. Well, in. <laughs> no, but think, think about that. Okay. So, I sit down with you and your husband, right? We talk about a plan for you guys. And there are two options that I can present. I can present to you one that's a hundred dollar a month payment and you're comfortable. You're good. You're happy with it. Like the numbers are good. Or I can present to you a $250 a month payment. Believe it or not, the $250 a month payment will actually give you less insurance and less savings, but I make more money on it. Oh, Jesus. So which one do you think I'm presenting? Obviously the 250. <laughs> so I'll tell you the truth. No, I don't personally, you know, yeah, you, yeah. Do what, you do what's right. But I mean this 95 to 99% of the industry is going to talk to you about what works best for them. Of because, course. Because listen, again, you came to me and you said, listen, I can, Rick, I can do 250 bucks a month. It's not going to be a problem like that. I can definitely afford that. Right. Okay, cool. Look, if I come back to you and I say, listen, for 250 bucks a month, I can give you $300,000 in life insurance, $300,000 in life insurance. And by the time you're 67 years old and ready for retirement, you'll have a hundred grand that you can buy, you know, that's yours. That's yours, right? You can mm -hmm. borrow. From, yours. Right, <laughs> right exactly. Right? You can borrow from. And most people are going to go, it fits my budget. I got $300,000 in life insurance. When I get to retirement age, I'm good. I'm comfortable because I've got some, I got $100,000 here. Most people don't say no to that because it seems like a good plan. But what they don't realize is for the same 250 bucks, you probably could have had six or $700,000 in life insurance and, you know, maybe a quarter million in savings, right? Everybody's situation is different. Maybe it's not that much. Maybe it's a half a million in life insurance and a quarter million in savings or whatever it is. But, um, those comparisons, I mean, when you do those side-by-side -side comparisons, I, I really, when I sit down with a client, I'll put some stuff on the screen and I'll show them. I said, okay, let's, let's pretend you were working for working with me and you yeah. sat down with the client and you showed them this. Who do you think would take the lesser plan now that they've seen the bigger plan? Right. It's like, no, nobody. I, why would they ever do that? And I say, oh, well, interesting. Because I get paid more money to put you in the lesser plan. So what if I never showed you the better plan? Ugh. And, and there are so many people that just do that every day. And because we are not educated, because there's no personal finance class, nobody in school teaches us about this. Like where I went to school, they barely taught me how to balance a checkbook, let alone yeah, no. anything. No. <laughs> right. So, you know, because we don't know this, we're signing on the dotted line. We're so excited about this. Right. Oh my God. And unfortunately, a lot of times what happens is down the road, you find out, but a lot of times you find out too late. Right. Which is and so sad because, you know, in America, like we are, we are conditioned to work 
just work, work, work. Not, not, not. We have like 10 days a year that we can have pleasure technically from our jobs. Those are our 10 vacation days. And then the rest of your life, you just work, work, which is so sad. So it's like all that work and all that money. I would be devastated to find that out later on in life that I just signed off on a horrible policy. So it's good to know this now. <laughs> you know, and, and I think for a lot of people when it comes to work, I'm just going to, I'll throw this out there for all your listeners right now. Our tax law, our tax code, everything. It's written for employers. It's written for the entrepreneurs. Okay. So the reason why they say the rich get richer is because quite literally tax law is written for people that do better. Now, what that really means is our society, we're designed as people to be independent, right? Our society is designed for every person in it to add value to the society, okay? What's happened in the last hundred years, okay, is that we've allowed companies to get so big that they become influential. And they've quite literally changed the way people believe in life. Like you just said, we're designed to work. Like we get 10 days a year off. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. <laughs> Seriously. Like, Fuck that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like 10 days a year off. That's insane. Right? So there's no reason for that. Right? So I, I say that to everybody because I promise you people and, and whether it's you or anybody, we will, we are happier when we're working for ourselves. Now there's not, sometimes you've got some disadvantages. Um, and I don't suggest that anybody quit their job and just go start working for yourself like a <laughs> plan or anything like that. But at the same time, this is one of the reasons why side hustles have become so popular, right? It's, you know, everybody really, my, my Instagram feed, for example, is full of people selling little wooden boards with stickers on them yes. or, or, you know what I mean? Like little things on Etsy or like custom projects. I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. That, listen, I, I, I love what I do, but I'm also a car guy. Right. And I've got a, I've got, had a few Mustangs. I've got a, an 88 one right now. It's one of those little square body ones or whatever, but there's such a big following for Mustangs that we actually, my brother and I, maybe two years ago, saw a little, a little gap in it. And we said, okay, well let's come up for something. Right. So we've actually, we do a lot of upholstery work for these cars because there okay. wasn't a lot of places to find it. And I do that really for two reasons. One, because it's extra money. Who doesn't want extra money, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's three reasons. I get to spend some time in my garage, which I like <laughs> as well. But we also get to put our little touch on, on Mustangs, on Ford Mustang, which is the most iconic car that's really a, So I think it's really cool that we've got our little place in that. But side hustles have become the new hustle, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, again, and anything people can do for themselves like that, because even if like, if you're making great money and you don't need it, I understand your time is great now, but wouldn't it be nice if you could retire a couple years earlier? Definitely. Right. What if you could retire 10 years or 20 years earlier? Mm-hmm. Right. Now retirement doesn't necessarily mean that you're, <sighs> have you ever heard of the cash flow quadrant? Mm, no. Okay. So, um, Good book recommendation for everybody, Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, by Robert Kiyosaki or Cash Flow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, it says that every single person in the entire planet Earth falls into one of four categories. Okay. If you earn money, you fall into one of four categories. You're either an employee, right? We know what that is. We work for somebody else. They choose our schedule, our pay, all that kind of stuff, right? Yep. Self-employed. Second category is self-employed people. Okay. And a lot, a lot of people mistake because you hear all, oh, boss babe, right? Or whatever it is, right? Self-employed still has to go to work, whether it's the landscaper, the masonry guy, the real estate person, the hairstylist, right? You may work for yourself. we got a friend of ours. She's a really successful hairstylist. She's got a business here in Connecticut. She, she moved down to Texas during the pandemic, actually. She, oh, um, I'm going to plug her. Beauty Entourage. You guys have got to check this out. Beauty Entourage, okay? (laughs) She's got this mobile truck down in Texas where she's converted a box truck into a mobile hair studio. Wow. And she drives to your house or wherever it is and, and does styles your hair right there. She can go, if it's a wedding, she'll go right there to the wedding. But so, but I say this because she's self-employed. She has to be in that bus or in that thing. She's not going to give the keys to that thing to somebody else, right? It's probably right. worth, I don't even know how much it's worth, right? It's yeah. a lot of money. Right? <laughs> even, regardless of what it's worth, if something were to happen to it, that's her business. Right. 
right? So it has more than just a, a dollar amount value. It's got some intrinsic value as well to her, right? She's got to go to work for her paycheck. So both employees and people who are self-employed are trading time for money. You don't go, you don't get. You take those 10 days off, you're not getting paid during those 10 days, right? <laughs> but the other 365, we're getting paid for, right? Mm -hmm. Then you've got business owners, okay? And the big difference between somebody who is self-employed and somebody who owns a business are the business owners own a system. They get paid whether or not you show up to work or not. For example, the best one that I've ever thought of really is probably Sam Walton with Walmart, right? Oh, yeah. There's like 10,000 Walmarts across the <laughs> globe, right? He wasn't going to every single one of those yeah. every day to check on those stores, no. right? He built a business and then hired a bunch of people, hired a manager, assistant managers, line staff, but he hired a group of people to run that business for him, right? So even Jeff Bezos with Amazon, yeah. right? Every time we hit submit order, 25 years ago, this or however long ago, this guy built a website that he gets paid from when you hit submit and I hit submit and the next person hits submit, That's right? So crazy. They are not trading time for money, okay? And the last one is investors, okay? And, oh, you know, the new thing is, oh, I'm investing in crypto. I'm an investor. I'm an investor. Well, listen, yes, you are an investor if that's the case because your money is working for itself. You don't have to be there for your money to work. Right. And this is what we teach people from an investment side from retirement. Your money is working on its own, right? We've got a client, for example, last year, they had $50,000 in growth. Wow. They didn't put, that's not money that they put in. That's just growth that happened just last year alone. Wow. So the money is working for itself. Imagine having enough money that you're, you don't do anything and 50 grand just shows up. That's basically right? you're like you're getting paid. Like that's your yeah. job. Your interest. Right. <laughs> so those are investors. Now, somebody taught me this. I was introduced to that book at a really young age. And what really stuck out to me was that 90% of all people on planet earth, if you're working for a job, if you're earning money, 90% of us are on the left side, so to speak. You're either an employee or you're self-employed, okay? But those 90% of the people only control about 10% of the money. It's crazy. It's so crazy. And as you get older, you get more frustrated with it because, you know, you learn more. Like, oh, for yeah. example, like this podcast, a lot of people are learning this. <laughs> Some people might not have known any of this. And they're probably like, wow, I hate everything. Right now. <laughs> I, I hate everything I've been told. I hate everything that's been programmed in my brain. It, it really is sad. I, I, re I feel bad for people that have no idea. Honestly, I've had a little bit. I've worked in the banks off and on over the years, and I understand sales. I hate it. But <laughs> I just I just so many people are programmed to give you things that don't hold any value to you and it only just benefits themselves and it's so sad so i'm with you i hate sales every every aspect of it so i i really i told you i spent most of my working career thus far like 14 years in hotels and i was an operations manager i wasn't selling the hotels i wasn't going right. to meet with clients i was making sure that the rooms were clean Right. I was making sure that staff had the you know, equipment that they needed. Right. And then as my career progressed, I was making sure that the managers had the stuff that they need and that, you know, it became less hands-on and more numbers and reports and stuff like that, which I'm okay with, but I despise to this day, despise sales. I can smell it when somebody's coming a mile away. Absolutely. Within their first sentence, I'm like, dude, what are you trying to sell me? Like, just get the, <laughs> what are you trying to sell me? Right. Cause I don't need you to sell me. If I see value in something, I'll sell myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the thing, like in the banking world per se, because that's where I was trained the most on sales. Like, oh, well, take a look at their accounts. If they have money here, why don't you offer this? And I always would say like, but what benefit is it to them? Like they, they may not need that. What, what if they need to take all that money out and use it for something the next day? Like you don't know somebody's situation. And a lot of people don't want to open up to you because they feel like they're just going to get sales crammed down their throat. And then they, that's what, and like you said, a lot of people don't ask, they don't want to go in. They don't want to talk to anybody because they just feel like they're going to get robbed <laughs> in one way or another. And it's just so sad. It's, I wish people we're able to have the open conversations like this. You know, I wish people would feel comfortable enough. Yeah. Unfortunately, the person who's really getting robbed is themselves. 
Absolutely. Right? And, they, and, and for example, anybody that's listening to this now or, or today or tomorrow or next year or whenever they actually pick it up and listen to it, at this point forward, you can't say you didn't know. Right. So at least at least about what we're talking about. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, this is why I really believe education is so important. And this is how just so you know, this is how I've approached our business. Right. Educate. Let people will make whatever decisions that they want. Some will. Some won't. So what? Right. At the end of the day, like I don't mean to be cold on that end, but some people are, are not in a position to some people don't want to. And it's no sweat off of my back. I'm just trying to help people. Right. right. And I think that if, if the approach is to provide value to somebody, the approach is to help educate them so that they make a better decision, even if they don't make that decision right away, when they do make a decision they will make a better decision. And that's why when you asked me to come on this podcast, I was excited about it because as far as I'm concerned, if I can teach, even if one person listens to this and they go, you know what, I'm going to think differently about that when the time comes, then you know what? It was worth this because that one person, I promise you, we made a difference on their lives. I promise Absolutely. you, they'll have more money, they'll be better protected, they'll make more money, excuse me, whatever it is, right? So- I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad because you were definitely one of the people that I wanted to have on because I I also wanted to learn some things, which I have. And definitely a lot of people can benefit because not a lot of people our age know about this at all. Still, Let me reverse the roles on you here a little bit. And I don't mean to put, you know, put the light on you, but there are going to be people that are listening to this that have questions, right? I've been doing a lot of talking. What questions do you have? Listening to what I've said, what questions do you have that you think your listeners might get some value from? So, hang on. I had a list. Just give me a second. I had a whole list of questions that I want to ask, but then we got into it. Um, Let's see. I mean, a major question is like, do I invest my money in the stock market or do I invest my money in like a Roth IRA or some sort of retirement savings account? That's what would question. you do? That's a great question. Every, again, um, unfortunately, everybody's situation is a little bit different. Right. The more so, li- so, so, so for example, like I have student loans that I have to pay off still. I don't have a lot of money every month. I have a daughter. You know, I still, at, at, in the next year or two, I plan on purchasing a home. So I will have a mortgage. So if something were to happen to either of us, um, you know, where would my debt go? I wouldn't want her to be responsible for it. Like I just... I want to make sure my, my expenses are covered because that's just unfair to her or any of my family members if they take the burden for it. So what, what do you feel that I would benefit for if I had a mortgage in student loans? So real, real talk, do you have a life insurance policy? No, I don't. Okay. So you need to set one up yesterday. Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) You've got a child, you've got a child and your student debt, if, if you and your husband both passed, your daughter's getting that student loan debt. Okay. So it goes right to her. It doesn't go like, even if she's a minor though. Student loan debt does not disappear. Somebody right. is paying that. Somebody okay. is paying that. Okay. Student loan debt's a little bit different. A house, you can sell a house, right? You can you can get rid of a yeah. you know home. Now, that being said, let's say your husband were to pass, right? You probably don't want to leave your house. You've sure. you've got a daughter, you've got a home, right? How long would it be before if his income stops showing up? How long, and you don't have to answer this now, but how long yeah. would it be before you felt that, right? It's true, so yeah. the, advice that I, the advice that I would give to people in that situation, right? So you said, do I go in a Roth IRA or stocks or, or what it looks like, right? Um, stocks are great if you're paying attention to what it is, okay? Um, you have to do a lot of research. You have to put a lot of time into stock trading. And the only people who win in stock trading are the trader, the, the institutions and the people that hold the long game. Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett, for example, he doesn't day trade. Right. Okay, so all these, all these new young hip day traders, oh, I make all this money. Good, I'm glad you do. But chances are long-term, you're going to end up losing your shirt, right? Yeah. It's, it's the growth, the long-term strategy. So always plan for, for the future, even though we're living in the moment, right? So I would suggest... Again, if you've got plenty of cash, right? Money's not an issue, right? Sure, stocks are great, but the first thing you should do is be paying yourself before you pay down all your debt, right? So I'm not the guy that says, pay off all your debt before you start saving for yourself, right? Right, yeah. Because then what happens mid-process and and all of a sudden something happens, you don't have any savings. Good for you, you don't have any debt. I'm glad to hear that, but you don't have any money. 
Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I would suggest like, okay, again, this is, this is really kind of top level, but just kind of looking at things, I would suggest setting up a life insurance policy. I would definitely suggest a Roth IRA because a Roth IRA is really nice because the growth is not taxed. You're already taxed on your money as you're getting your money. So okay. when you invest into a Roth IRA, you're not, um, but this is not a, a, a solicitation to uh, invest. This is not yeah, right. financial advice per se, because everybody's yeah. situation is a little bit different, but right. uh, you know, a Roth IRA is tax-free growth. And that's what people really like because later down the road, when you pull all that money out, you're not getting taxed on it, getting pulled out. Okay. Oh, that's good um, to know. So what I would suggest in just kind of a loose situation is, you know, set up something that's comfortable for you end up for your end on that financially, and then work to pay down your debt because the debt isn't helping you, right? You got to get rid of the debt. Debt stacking, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, is, is such a good way to eliminate debt. It's unbelievable. So what you do is you figure out a way to get an extra hundred bucks a month, right? Whether, whether it means you stop smoking cigarettes, you go to McDonald's last, you, you know, you, you don't eat out once a week or what, I mean, yeah. whatever, however it is, right? Find out a way to get, let's call it a hundred bucks a month. Okay. Attack the bill that has the lowest balance. Not the I've highest interest. I've always done that. I've always done lowest. that. <laughs> now, I'm glad to hear that. But the yeah. second step to this is what most people kind of leave out. Once that's paid off. So let's say the minimum payment on that card was a hundred bucks, right? You've added another hundred dollars to it. So now you're paying $200 a month and within a few months it's paid off. So what a lot of people do is they go, yes, I'm free of that 200 bucks a month. I'm going to go buy a new car. No, no, no. Take $200 that you were spending towards that and add that to your next bill that has the next lowest balance. Now you're going to have an extra 200 bucks a month going to the bill that you've already been paying. And you're going to get that one paid off an awful lot faster. Definitely. Right. So now the third one's paid off and now you've got three, four, five, six hundred dollars a month that you can put towards the next one, mm -hmm. right? And again, you start with balances. So usually it's credit card debt, right? And then it moves on to car payments and then it moves on to the mortgage. Right? You can be debt-free. I mean, you can be mortgage and debt-free within just a matter of a couple of years right. by really implementing this because it interest rates kill you, okay? They really do. I'll teach everybody uh, something real quick. It's called the rule of 72. And what it does is it explains how long it takes for your money to double just based off the interest. It applies to everything with interest, a credit card, a savings account, an investment, whatever it is, right? What you do is you take the number 72 and you divide that by whatever the interest rate is. So for example, let's say you get, um, let's say you get a 3% return, right? And you know, it's a savings account or, you know, you open an investment account or whatever it is and it's a 3% return, right? Mm -hmm. And let's say you drop $10,000 in that savings account, uh, just hypothetical numbers. Let's say you yep. drop $10,000 in that account, excuse me, 72 divided by three is 24. So 24 years from now, the $10,000 that you put in there, if you didn't touch it, 24 years later is now $20,000. Let's say you still don't touch it another 24 years later. So now 48 years down the road, you've got $40,000 sitting in an account that started with 10,000 that you've never touched since. No, that's great. <laughs> now let's say you get a 6% return. 72 divided by six is 12. So now your money's doubling every 12 years compared to every 24. That's even better. The same 48 year time period with a 6% interest, that $10,000 turns into $160,000. Same time period, you didn't add an extra penny to it. You just got your, you moved your money from something that gave you a 3% return to something that gave you a 6% return. That's crazy. Now let's say you get a 12% return. You had mentioned like an IRA. Okay. Mm -hmm. IRAs have done very, very well over the years. Okay. You'll never find a company that advertises over anything over a 9%. There's legal reasons for that. Right. But let's say you get a 12% return, which could be very realistic depending on what account you're in. That could even be low depending on what accounts you're in. Okay. But let's say you get a 12% return, 72 divided by 12, six. Wow. Now your money's doubling every six years compared to 24. That's crazy. Same time period, you probably have over a million and a half dollars, 1.4, 1.5 million. Compared to $40,000 for the same 10 grand over the same time period, 
just because you moved your money from one place to the next. That's crazy. And those are things that people really need to know about. Because I mean, some people, you know, some people our age, they do have, you know, a good nest egg saved. And it's just sitting in a, say, a regular savings account, just that, sitting there, which, you know, you, know, you may need it or something, which is, which is great. It's good to have just in case, but it would also be great to benefit from it. <laughs> I, um, listen, and it's important to make sure that you've got you know, money, emergency funds, money available to you in the, God forbid, I lost my job or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we're all getting older every day. We're all planning on retiring. So if somebody is listening to this and they go, yeah, but I got all this money in my, I got, I got 20 grand sitting in my savings account because, you know, what happens if I lose my job? Cool. What happens if you took 10 grand of that and forgot about it for the next 50 years? And you also are probably going to get a new job in a couple months because well, most people do. <laughs> I think the average person changes their job every, what, like three to five years or something like that, right? And me, For me in my history, it was a little bit more than that, but <laughs> that's because I had an addiction. But, <laughs> but most people, yeah. <laughs> but really, you know, even if somebody's changing their job more frequently than that, right? money will continue to come in. And if it doesn't, you better have life insurance if your family needs you, right? And this right. is why, and, and again, I, I keep going back to this because life insurance is the cheapest way to get rich. Huh? What's that mean? Well, think about this. You could be broke as a joke, but you can buy a million dollar life insurance policy and you're going to die, right? So at some point in time, likely there's going to be a payout. Who's it going to? Your kid? So now your kid's got a million bucks. You just, you just instantly changed your family tree. Instantly changed your family tree. True. Because you had the foresight to spend a couple bucks a month. Right? right. I say a couple bucks a month. Everybody's policy is different. Everybody's price is yeah. different. Yeah. Smokers, non-smokers, age, gender, yeah. all this. Kind of yeah. But at the end of the day, it's cheap. Money. Right. And in my past experience, one of my friend's dad said to me, I think when we were in high school, he's like, if you're paying more than a couple dollars a month for life insurance, then you don't have a good policy. And, I, and then I got older, you know, in my mid 20s, and I was looking at life insurance policies. And I'm like, these are way more expensive than that. So I don't think, I don't think that's accurate anymore. <laughs> and I don't know what type of life insurance policy you do have for that. <laughs> so. so, you know, um, it was obviously different back in the day, obviously. <laughs> you know, not as much as you'd think, really, not as much really? as you'd think. A lot of this stuff has, has kind of ranged. So again, heavy monthly payments are usually having to do with cash accumulation in the account. Gotcha. So likely what happened in your 20s, the person you sat down with who was trying to hook you up with a, um, I don't know, it was probably a whole life policy, just considering how old you are and what things are like right now. Like it probably was a whole life policy for a few years ago. If it were today, it might've been an IUL, an indexed universal policy, right? But because- That's the one. Okay, so because they accumulate cash, you're saving some of your money, the monthly payment is more. Gotcha. But the, your friend's father who had invest, told you to get life insurance, he was talking about a term policy. Why? Because right. your friend's father, he grew up in a different generation. Right. And you know, the interesting thing is that generation really bought term insurance more than they bought whole life because whole life wasn't as popular then. Mm -hmm. It's true. It really is true. Why? The reason, the reason why is because so many people had term insurance. So why would, why would I go from spending 50 bucks a month to 150 bucks a month and get less insurance. Exactly. You couldn't sell that. Nobody, nobody, nobody in the world could ever <laughs> tell me, hey, your payment's going to triple, but your insurance is going to get cut into it. I'll give you another real life situation. Okay. This just happened to me a couple of days ago. Another client of ours. Um, she's got, uh, she had a $45,000 life policy. Okay. $45,000 whole life policy. Okay. I reduced her payment by a dollar. Not a big savings. She can go to McDonald's and get a whatever, right? But not, not basically the same payment. She went from $45,000 of insurance to 175. Wow. I mean, I wish more, more agents were like you in the sense that they want to educate and help their clients. It, it really is such a shame that most people are just only looking out for themselves because in the long run, we all need to help each other. Honestly, if I do well, you're going to do well too. Otherwise, I'm going to make you miserable because I'm miserable. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the approach that we've taken has really been that um, if you do right by people, 
you know, people are willing to share your name and information, right? For so sure. if I, so for example, that client that I just told you about, right? I got done talking to her. She's like, oh my God, I'm going to give you, I, I walked out with a, a list of names and phone numbers. That's and I, great. Family members, friends, all this stuff. Why? Because I reduced her payment by a dollar. I kept her payment the same, but gave her a lot more. Right. Right. So when that happens, you're like, you need to call my mom. You need to call this person. Right. You need to call that person. Right? You straighten everybody out. <laughs> that's, that's right. Right. And that's how, that's how you can build a business organically. But beyond that, that's how, if you do right by people, right. Just like you said, if we all help each other out, we all win in the end. Absolutely. Right? That one policy is go going to turn into probably a dozen policies. Absolutely. Well, so, I, so I taught her the right thing. I educated her a little bit. I helped her out. And because of that, I get paid not once, not twice, but who knows how many times. Right. And, and it does help you too. I mean, helping people will also help you in return with your business for sure. The more people you help, the better you'll do. Right. I forget. There's a, there's an old quote. I think it was like, um, I want to say it was like Jim Rohn or something like that, that said like, we are, our net worth is a measurement of the um, value that we've brought to society, right? So people that, people that, have, hot, that have earned a lot of money, Warren Buffett, um, right. Sam Walton with Walmart, Jeff Bezos with Amazon, right? Sure, people might not like him because the guy's worth 100 billion or 300 billion or whatever the number is, and he's, he's the top 1% and he should pay you know, his fair share in taxes and stuff, but he changed the way people shop. He changed the way people consume not just products, food, movies, right. uh, news, right? He changed the world. Right. He brought value. And because of that, the guy's worth a lot of money. I know. There's a lot of hate for people that are successful. And there's a lot of hate for people that are smart. You know, and it's such a shame. And especially in this last year, because a lot of people relied on Amazon for a lot of the things they were getting. They couldn't go out to stores. They couldn't, or they could, but they just didn't feel comfortable. Some people are homebound. Some people got COVID and they just didn't recover very well from it. So it's such a shame that there's so much hate. I never hated on them. I still buy from Amazon all the time. <laughs> you know, Listen, <I'm laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, I do buy from Amazon all the time because it's convenient and it's, you know, it's a full gamut of everything. However, I probably prefer eBay just because eBay is helping out a small independent person. True. It's you true. know, or, or would prefer to shop local when I, obviously when I can, but um, again, they change the world, right? So if, yeah. you, if you change the way people buy things, listen, if I need, if I broke my screen on my phone tonight, right. And I said, Oh man, I need to get a new screen cover or a new, whatever it is. I can probably, it's eight o'clock, maybe not so late, but there are some things that you can order that they keep stocked in a warehouse and it shows up the next day. <laughs> and it's the randomest stuff. It's like, I bought, a, so I got it, um, I got into remote control cars and COVID was fun. So I got into remote <laughs> control cars during COVID and you know what I mean? Like just little things to kind of play around with my kids. Yeah. Love them. My son calls them monster trucks. I have a blast with, I really, I have a blast with them. I'm like a big kid. But there was like one little part that I needed and I'm like, all right, well, so I, I, I look on eBay and it was going to be like 15 days or something like that for shipping. And I'm like, mm -hmm. all right, well, let me see if Amazon's got it because it'll be here within two days or whatever. Right. I put it on Amazon. It was here the next morning. Oh, my God. That's amazing. More, I'm like, it was really a little random part for a remote control car. They must have been sitting around. <laughs> yeah. So, again, he provided a lot of value. Mm-hmm. Right. No, there's, there's just a lot of hate these days. And... This last year has only made things worse. I, I don't know. So I, I was just happy to have you come on because it is, you know, inspirational to people. You know, you're not stuck. You, you don't have to be stuck in the right. financial situation that you're in. You know, no. there is a way out. Even if you don't have a job right now, even if you're just looking, like, you're going to get one. Things are going to get better. I mean, it's, it's not going to get any worse. And I know I we used it. What did you say? We have, we have control. Yes, we do have control. You you also have the control to change your mood too. And I think that's a lot of people's problems in life. You know, I'm not perfect. I have my bad moods too, but you are totally in control of the way that you look at things. And I just th I think people should be more optimistic. Don't be afraid of change. 
right. don't be afraid to ask questions, you know, learn something new. And that's not the reason why I'm doing this podcast. I hope every time somebody listens, they learn something new. And especially with this episode today, this, this was really great, <laughs> not just for me, but for a lot of people. So I do really appreciate it. I'm glad to be a part of it. I really, I, I thank you for having me here. And I hope that, I hope that everybody listening gets some value from this. Um, you know, if, if anybody has any questions or whatever, I don't know if you guys can put like my email or whatever yeah. down at the bottom, but um, I'll, I'll put my email out there for you so that, you know, anybody can ask any questions that they have or whatever. I'm happy to help um, in any way. If it's just a question, if it's a, hey, I want, you know, whatever it is, I'm here for you. Okay. What is it, it for our listeners on Spotify that aren't watching the video? So um, my work email has some crazy spam filters. So I'll give you my personal email because that'll just <laughs> a little bit easier. Just like my name on the Zoom, if you guys can see, it's Rick Hupalo, R-I-C-K-H-U-P-A-L-O at gmail.com. Um, being in the financial industry, um, there is, it's, things are so regulated, things are so controlled, so that a lot of, I hate to even say it like this, but a lot of times external senders, we don't even, it hits a spam filter and it, it, right. we don't see it, right? So um, yeah. my Gmail account, like I said, rickhupalo at gmail.com. Um, you guys really pick up the phone, call me 203-460-7106. I'm, I'm here to help. I'm a human. Text me, whatever it is. Okay. You even get his personal phone. How nice. <laughs> Maybe don't call him at one o'clock in the morning. Maybe wait till like eight, after eight or nine. I'm just saying. <laughs> some advice that you didn't like here today or something like that. You're pissed off. Like, man, you know, don't bother me. Right? Like, you know, three o'clock in the morning. Oh, I hate you, whatever. But like, I'm, I'm, I'm here to help. I want to help anybody that can, you know, that it feels like they need some and, and please understand, you know, just like you had said, we have control. You know, this is something that you can get started at you know, really for a very little dollar amount that you can make sure that your future is taken care of. Okay. Definitely. But let me, can I wrap up by saying, and I know this always sounds weird when people say this, this was not a solicitation to, to invest. No. Personal advice for every, for anybody in particular. Right? Definitely not broad guidance for everybody so that, um, you know, so that when the time comes that you guys go to make a decision, hopefully you hear something that we talked about. And really even just that cash flow quadrant thing, that changed the way I looked at the world, the yeah. world, right? Because when I was working a job, I was like, man, no wonder I'm only getting 10%. Right? Like I got to get over to the, I got to get, a, I have to have a business if I want to get the 90%, right? right. So it, is the path that I'm on right now going to lead me there or not? And if it's not, well, it's up to me to change that. It's up to me to control that. So um, really it was, it was fun. I'm, I'm, uh, I got some value. I'm, I had fun today. Thank you. No problem. And if anybody is interested in working in this field, also send him some questions. I'm sure uh, you would be more than happy to help them out, guide them, whatever, whatever they need. Um, feel free to send me messages. If you want him on again, let me know <laughs> if you have more questions you know, feel free. And like I said, I don't have life insurance. He didn't even sell me anything. So I'm, this is not a solicitation in any way. <laughs> this is this is just for information that I feel everyone should know. So, yeah, But if somebody wants to get into this industry, please pick up the phone, call me, shoot me an email. I'd be happy to talk to you about what you need to do to get started. Um, the biggest, most broad spectrum thing, you got to pass a background check. If you can't pass a background check, wait till you can, and then let's talk, right? <laughs> Beyond that, I can walk you through what steps you would need to, to, get, to get started. So, Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I learned things. I hope everybody learned something. Um, uh, the links are going to be below. Uh, Rickupalo at gmail.com. He gave you his phone number that I don't remember. <laughs> But my email and everything is below if you have any questions. Uh, again, Rick, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening. Thanks and tune in again. You're the best.